0: Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. You did a wonderful job, and I appreciate your hard work and dedication each and every week. Thank you to all of you for being here with us in person. All of you that are joining us online, thank you for joining us today. Don't want to ever leave you out. And we appreciate you joining us. No matter what day it is that you're getting to join us, we appreciate you joining us. And thank you to all of you in person for making it out today. A lot of times when you hear bad weather or rain or whatever it happens to be, it's easy to say, I'll just watch online next week or I'll just watch online this week or listen. So we appreciate you showing up in person today. It's a lot easier to preach to a congregation full of faces they get to respond and smile and nod or shake their head, shake a fist in the air, whatever it happens to be. Um, at, at Satan, of course, not at me, preferably. So, thank you all for being here today, and we appreciate it. Um, as I was studying today, and as Pastor Tony gave me the opportunity, he gave me much more notice this time and said, hey, I know and I believe in miracles, and I believe that God's going to do a great miracle, but I'm not going to test Um, the miracle this soon. I want you to be ready next week and be ready to speak, and I said I'd be happy to, Pastor. That wasn't exactly my answer. I said, I don't like adults, actually. But I said, if you need me to, pastor, I will fulfill the need. And since Miss Jenny said that she wouldn't, didn't want to do it, I told her that I would be happy to uh, fulfill the call that God has given me in my life. And I will be happy to stand up and preach and give our pastor the Sunday off. And uh, we are, he, he sent me a message last night and said, I hope to be here today. So that because he's not sitting in that chair, I, it means he still needs our prayers. And God's not done with the miracle yet. But I'm praying as of this moment, the miracle's done. And we'll get a testimony call or text here very, very soon. So as I was studying for this message, our pastor just wrapped up a series on Acts 2 and talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit empowers our lives. And the phrase that God put in my mind was, now what? What's next? We learn all about what we can do. We learn about getting right with God. We learn about the power of the Holy Spirit and how it is needed in our lives, not just is available to us, but it's needed. As people of the Most High God, we are called to not just live. You're not just called to exist. If, I, if you heard that lie, I want to go ahead and defeat it today. You're not called to exist. You're not called to sit there. You're not called to just wake up in the morning, eat, sleep, poop, and start the day over again and start all over again. Sorry to that bluntly, but a lot of times we feel that way. We feel like we just are here to exist. And we just get caught in our routine. It's very easy. But I want you to know today, God's called us to more than that. And not only that, but I'm going to cover here in a minute, we get to do this. And that's a privilege. A lot of times we forget that, and we forget what a privilege it is to serve God, and what a privilege it is to do more than just exist. People today, I believe that the number one reason for depression in our world today is a lack of vision and a lack of purpose. I believe if people understood that God has an ordained purpose for their life, they would get up with a, with a series of excitement. Amen. Because there's so much more to be done. I love getting to do what I do and get to see the excitement in young people's faces as they go, wow, there is a God. Wow, there is a God that still cares. I, I love this. week. I was, I was confirming Mr. Jim before I came up here. I got a call from his nephew, Daniel. We've been praying for Nancy Fussell. He has been in the hospital for far too long. And need a miracle far too long. And, and Daniel talked to the doctor this week and goes, Hey, uh, just want to give you good news. Um, we decided that we're going to go ahead and pull the ventilator this week. And he goes, Excuse me? Because like, they've been telling her for so long that like, she doesn't have much longer to live. And he goes, No, 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 don't get me wrong. He goes, We're going to pull the ventilator because we've been backing it up so far she doesn't need it anymore. And he's like, and he got this news on Thanksgiving Day. He's like, What a Thanksgiving miracle! I'm like, We have a God that goes... And not only that, I'm going to make it happen on Thanksgiving. Give you something to be thankful for. Now, is she still needing much more prayer? Absolutely. Keep her in prayer. I was asking Mr. Jim a little while ago, she still needs prayer for healing in her kidneys, that God is still to do more and and finish off that so she can get off dialysis and she can live and move and have existence again. Because I don't know about you guys, I know Jacob, I was talking to him earlier, I don't know if he's still in here or not. He was. I mean, was talked about how itchy he was to get back into church and get around people of God again and getting to smile and getting to, just, to have life again, not just to lay still, even if it's at your own home. But to be able to have life again is, is, brings hope and it brings excitement to be able to being around the people of God and being around your family and to be able to move and being able to sit up and see your family at Christmas even. And I believe that God can do that miracle in her life and in the lives, of the people that need miracles today. Miss Pat's in the hospital today. She needs prayer. So pay attention if you haven't got the opportunity to look online, especially tomorrow night. Join us for prayer. The needs will be on there. Um, and pray. We've got many needs in our church, and I would like to see some Christmas miracles to people that would be able to celebrate things, uh, Christmas with their families this year because God has just done a miracle in their lives, and I would love to see our prayer list cleaned off and us just to be seeking revival. I would, I would love for our prayer list to, go. You, know, you break it out and read it and it just says revival. And that, and, that, and, that, and that would be it. And that could even happen before Christmas too. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. So today as we're studying, um, we're going to go into Ch- Acts chapter 3 here in a moment. So in, in Acts, Acts, Acts chapter 4. Um, but I started in Acts chapter 3. I said, you know what? What's next? We're going to study Acts 2. And I started reading through Acts and said, okay, What happens now? And one of the cool things that I've always remembered and and when I think about the book of Acts is actions. It's the actions of the disciples. What happened after Jesus went away? What did they do next? Because for so long, they had just followed his actions. And so the book of Acts is about the actions of the disciples that they took after he left. Now that they are empowered by the Holy Spirit, now what did they do? So in the book of Acts, we see in chapter 3 that Peter and John were walking to the temple and they saw a need, and they prayed for a leper, and he became healed. Sorry, not a leper. I'm sorry. A young man who was lame, who was, began leaping and praising God. There we go. Let me get that right. He was, he was, he was lame and began to walk. I'm sorry. I, I put lept in my, in my notes. He, they prayed for him. He began to leap and praise God. And not only that, he became a walking testimony that walked alongside them, which I was very careful. I was like, I'm going to end up walking, and I'm going to end up doing a uh, whole rabbit trail if I go into this too far, so I'll try not to do that. But in the Bible, when this happened, and this is, sort of goes away from where I'm headed today, the Pharisees had a really hard time saying that these people were not doing God's work because when a young man, who is, I believe his age was 34 when, it, when the miracle happened, was walking beside them and jumping and leaping and praising God as they're walking through the town telling people about Jesus and the works that he had done, they had a really hard time saying that what they're doing is of Satan when this young man's healed and going, glory to God! It, that's really hard to say this is of Satan. Okay, when, people start, when, when Nancy Fussell's dancing during praise and worship, sitting back there next to Jim and Cheryl, it's going to be a really hard time saying God is not alive. Okay, so I believe that the miracles that need to take place through our prayer list, and as God moves through those, he's going to get the glory, not us. Because we can't do those things. Our pastor will tell you, he couldn't heal his back. The doctors couldn't do a healing in his back without help. And Mr. John Beard, I was talking to you today, he's like, hey, even the doctors have tried to haircut on his back. It took him three tries to almost get it right. And it's like they can't do these surgeries and get it right. Only God can do that. Only God can do in the ways, only God can make kidneys start functioning again. Only God can make lungs start working again. Only God can make bodies function correctly. Am I right, Jacob? Only only God. Only God can make things happen right. So, let's read on. This testimony of what God did through Peter and John in this young man's life brought amazement at the miracle that was performed. People couldn't explain it. People had tried. He'd been carried, you know, in for miracles. He'd been sitting outside the temple because, I mean, obviously he was on his way to the temple where he was sitting praying for a miracle. Because I don't know about you guys, but when you need something in in your life, it's a lot easier to pray. And you seek God a lot harder when you need it. it. It's a lot easier to pray for yourself. But the testimony brought such amazement. And I question, are we filled with amazement when God moves today? It's very easy to go, wow, that's really awesome. God did that. That's cool you go no 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 something supernatural happened we should just be bewildered to the point where we can't stop talking about it when god moves in your life it's okay to share it when you go through something and it and it god does, it brings a testimony share it i love getting to share testimony i love getting the opportunity hey one of the cool things I get to do is share testimonies from others. I, I was thanking a student the other day. I said, listen, I got to share one of your testimonies about how God is using you. And he's like, thanks for sharing my testimony. And he's like, but he, and some excitement was like, I wanted to share that myself, but okay, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll share it one day when I get the opportunity. But I get to do that and I get to see God move. And we usually as pastors get to hear about it first. So we get the opportunity to share. It's one of the cool things we get to do. So Acts chapter 4, verse 13 is where I'm going to read real quick. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John talking about the priests and the Pharisees, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So, rhetorical question, what about Peter and John made them say they had been with Jesus? I think of Moses when he came off the mountaintop after being in the face of God. It said he came out looking older in his years. And he like, I picture him going up looking like a young man and coming back out just white-haired. And like, almost like, have you ever seen the Santa Claus movie with Tim Allen? Okay, that's the, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, right? his, his Santa Claus transformation. He goes in looking young, and like, he comes out and he just got white hair, crazy beard, tries to shave it off, but he can't because it just grows back instantly. I picture that as like what Moses looked like coming off the mountaintop. He came off completely and utterly changed, as the Bible describes him. Well, I think of this the same way as they look back and they're just, they've been with Jesus. Their lives look different. I don't think they looked older. I don't think they had gray hair after hanging out with Jesus. But I, I mean, I hope not. I hope they looked younger and felt younger like I do hang out with teenagers. I feel much younger. And I hope they, they felt that way too and empowered and invigorated and excited because they got to see things happen that no one else in history ever, ever gotten to see. I mean, when you hang out with somebody, and watch the blind healed, the lame walk, the deaf hear. People raised from the dead back to life. I think I would have a new excitement about life. I'm just saying. And I think that's the way they pictured them. They had a new excitement about the things of God. So when we spend the time with Jesus, we should look differently to the world. A joy should be on our faces, especially in the Christmas season. as We think about what God did for us. How much more should we look excited about what he can do in others' lives as well? So we go on to verse 29. It says, and now, Lord... And this is their prayer to God as they're being chastised by the people in the temple as they're showing, hey, what do we do with these people? They, they look different, and, and they obviously look like they have power that we don't have. They're getting ready to, to put them in prison, he, and, and, they, and, they pray, and then Peter and John are praying this, and said, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through your name, of your holy servant, Jesus. When they were in that tough time and the government was coming against them and saying, you're not going to preach Jesus or we're going to put you down. We're going to put you in jail. We're going to beat you. They didn't pray, oh God, deliver us. We don't know how we're going to do this. They said, no, God embolden us. God, bring us through this. We can go back out and do what you have called us to do. We're excited, like, we get to do this. They were so excited, and we'll read their response here in a moment. Instead of praying for deliverance or to protect us, they prayed that God would look at their situation and give them boldness as well as signs and wonders. Because what happens when signs and wonders show up? People can't look past it. They go, that guy couldn't walk before. He's now dancing. That guy couldn't get out of bed before. He's now walking around. He's now standing up straight. Oh, gosh. He can now give his testimony in front, of, in front of the church. He's now made it through this. Now, oh gosh. He, he's now, Satan's just on his boots. Now what? Man, he was talking to someone last week he used to hang out with. He, 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 can, now, he can now give his testimony. Oh man, he may lead others, others to God. Oh, how do, I, how do I take him down? And they're going, God empower us. Let us have signs and wonders. Let us be your voice. And not only that, they got someone to walk next to them, declaring. They didn't have to go, hey, we're doing miracles today. would like to show up for the revival? We'll be performing miracles? No. They had someone running next to them and going, whoo, I can walk now. I can dance. I can serve God. Whoo. They had them walking beside them. Think about that. Imagine. I know Pastor Tony has given you this vision before, but imagine all the wheelchairs stacked outside. Miss Pat, I know would be love to give up her, her wheelchair and just, just roll it right out the door across Bear Creek Road. We'll just start a pile out there across the street of all the wheelchairs and all the crutches because we're not going to have to give them off to anybody and share them with anybody because we're just going to invite them up here and pray for their miracle too, right? Imagine that. I heard the other day there's a or uh, there's a need like there's like a, a, a shortage of like medical supplies like I mean cradles for babies and like sh- wheelchairs. I, I can imagine like hey. Stop by Bear Creek if you need one. You don't have the faith to get healed because they've got a pile of them sitting out right outside the door. I mean, like, feel free to stop by Goodwill at Bear Creek. They have all the medical supplies you need sitting right outside, you know. Imagine that. I would, I would love that. Just the tables of, you know, diabetic needles. Feel free to stop by and grab them as you need them for diabetes, not for anything else. But stop by and grab your medical supplies you need because the people at that church don't, don't need them anymore. Okay? Whew. I don't know. I get, I get excitement as I think about that and going, wow, what the testimony. So instead of praying for deliverance, they said, God, let us see signs and wonders. Acts 540, they beat them and let them go. Like I, I start thinking about it, I guess one of the leaders said, hey, we shouldn't, uh, you know, we, we, this, is, this is of God, obviously. And if it's not of God, God will take care of it. But this looks like it's of God. And I'm really afraid that if we, we do anything to him, it's going to look really bad on us. And then the next verse you read, they beat them and let them go. I'm like, really? So, you're, so you think it's going to be good for you to you beat the prophets of the Most High God and then let them go instead of just imprisoning them? And you go, anyway, I don't know. I read some of these things in the Bible. I'm going, wow, the government back then was no smarter than ours is nowadays in, a lot of, in many ways. I just, anyway. So when you're serving God, even the beatings bring you joy. Acts 5.41 says, then they left the presence of the council after having beaten and having gotten delayed in their calling rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Imagine, whoosh, whoosh, whoo. All right, thank you, Jesus. I mean I, I mean, I can imagine them just having a hard time standing up straight after having been beaten, but they walk out praising God going, thank you, God, that we get to wear the stripes for you just as you did. And that's what they, they left. It says they left rejoicing, counting it an honor to be dishonored for the name of Jesus. Wow! When you're serving God, even the beatings bring you joy as you get to do it all for Him. Even the things that you go through, you get to count it all joy, going, wow, God, thank you that I get to serve you. Thank you, God, that I got to see a miracle done in my life that, God, I may bring you glory and honor through it. We get to do this. So, thank you, Peter and John, for setting the stage for today's message and showing us the heart that we should have toward this life we're called to. We get to do this. So when it comes to living for the Christ, or for Christ and ministering for Jesus, we have been given the opportunity to do this, and we should see it just as that, an opportunity. We don't have to do this. We could totally go about our daily lives. Totally cool. You know what? Whether I live for Jesus or not, chances are my paycheck from Tinnda Credit union will probably still come in, because I'm still going to show up for work. I can still go about my life, my bills will get paid until I lose that job. you know But could we go about our daily lives? Sure. Could I wear the same scowl on my face that I go into work every morning early and get into it? Yeah, absolutely. But why not live for God in a powerful, mighty way? Why not have the joy of the Lord in your heart that when you walk past others, they see a smile on your face that's different? I love that. Whether it's my smile or it's Hallie's smile or it's Felicity's smile or Jenny's smile, Abigail's smile or Charlotte's smile, as we're walking around town, I love getting to see the look on people's faces. I love getting to walk around and just shake hands on Sunday mornings. Whether even with Miss Christie has to open the service because I forget to. <laughs> she asked me this morning, she says, "Do you want me to open, or you want, you want to open?" I said, "If I make it back up the stage in time, great. If if not, tell everybody to watch the video because <laughs> I completely get caught up. I love shaking hands and and just and getting to hear again testimonies and getting to see your smiling faces. So." This theme is this shirt. I did not as, as cool and as prepared as I would like to look. I did not make this shirt for today. Um, this is a theme of our, our pastor conference, uh, as for Nick called Next Gen, um, for kids and, and young adult or youth and young adults that Jenny and I attended last year. Pastor Jenny and I attended last year. Um, we got to go together. Cool, getting to travel with the kids pastor, you know, and get to go to conferences together, especially when she's your wife. Um, anyway, we got to attend this conference, and one the theme of this was we get to do this because. It's a privilege, as Pastor Tony reminds us many a times, to stand behind... Well, it's not a pulpit now. We've got a table over here now. But to get to stand in this position on this stage and serve God and get to share His heart with those that are around us. It's a privilege. We get to do this. We get to share the love of Jesus with those around you. You get the opportunity each and every day to minister to those, even if it's just your family, even if it's those that are influenced by you online, even if it's those that... Your family, you're going and ministering to. Some of you are taking care of your parents at home. You get that opportunity. I, I joke all the time. I was actually having a conversation again with one of my friends this week. And he said, I was born to mom, but she adopted you. And he was having a conversation with his brother. And he's like, think about that. She chose you. She had me. She didn't really have a choice. She had to take care of me. But she chose you. In the same way, God chose you. Yes, you did have to choose him. You had a free will. You could stop serving him any day you want to. But he chose you and gave you the opportunity to serve him. He gave you the opportunity to be powerful for him and have your, his presence in your life that you may walk around and do what he's called you to do, empowered by him to do it. Yeah. So the message that many of the speakers gave at the conference is the privilege to stand behind the pulpit. So just as we read in Acts 5.41, when it is said, they rejoice for being honored with the opportunity to suffer for Jesus. We're going to read here in James. It's a letter from James to encourage the Jewish Christians who are suffering opposition to correct wrong ideas, to challenge, to encourage, and instruct the readers about practical aspects of the faith in action. That's the book of James. That's the whole aspect of the book of James. Because as we know, faith requires action. Because faith without works is dead. Try it again. Faith without works is dead. Thank you. So if we talk a really good story for Jesus... But we don't ever do anything for him. What does the world say? Eh. Yeah. yeah, it's dead. Your faith is dead. All right. So let's look at James chapter 1, verse 2. We're gonna flip over to, over to there. You got your Bibles that you can flip over. And let's read. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let me read that again. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, the word for trials in this situation is parasma. I'm going to pronounce that, I'm going to mix it, pronounce that right. Parasma. This refers to the great pressures in our lives, sometimes the world or from Satan directly, that God can use to strengthen our faith and develop us in perseverance and godly character, okay? So it's the things that we go through in our lives that produce our faith. So let's read that scripture again, James 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials, when you meet situations, when you meet pressure, when you meet things that Satan tries to bring your way to tear you down. Count it all joy when your faith is tested because that produces steadfastness. What is steadfastness? When something comes against you, you can stand strong. Yeah. I know my kids love to like try to push me over. I am Like I got to develop my, like you, I, I know we like, we, as we go out, we talk to someone about shooting a gun. You're like, the I, I, one of the biggest things are like, yay. And you're like, yeah, that works for a small gun, but you're going to have to like spread them feet out a little bit farther. If you start shooting them a little bit bigger, you may have to spread out a little bit farther and put a little more lean into it. to shoot something bigger. So, but that same lesson applies to us as our Christian walk. When we're children, that first thing comes our way, we can take it like this. But as other things come at us, we're going, all right, I'm going to spread my feet out a little bit and get ready for the next one. All right, Satan, are you coming again? All right. Let me change, my, change my, my stance a little bit. Let me back, get ready. All right, now I'm going to put a little lean into it because until the point where God goes, it's time for you to take on the gates of hell, then you've got to roll that shoulder down and you get ready to go at it. Your stance, God's going to call you to a point where you're going to take on the gates of hell. And you're not going to just be standing there in defense, but you're going to get to put on that offense. And you flip that coin. I love when Satan fumbles the ball, and we get to pick it up. Here's your football analogy. I stink at football. I've watched like two games this entire season. Just testify that it's been happening. I'm sorry, three games. I watched them all this weekend, okay? <laughs> and they were the best games probably all season long between Florida, that Florida, Florida, and, Florida and Alabama and Auburn and the North Carolina-Carolina game. Great games. But that was all I watched this season. So there's my football analogies. That's all you're going to hear probably this entire message. So, But when, when the devil fumbles the ball and we go, "Ha ha! I get to pick it up and run with this one, Satan. And I'm going to scream it from the mountaintops. Good luck trying to get it back. And I'm going to run with it. Take those opportunities. When your faith is tested and you take it, you run with it, you see God move, that's your testimony. Take it and I encourage you, document it. We try in our family to have a thankfulness journal. We were joking the other day, we hadn't written actually in our, our thankful journal since September. And we started doing it again last night because we had just been talking about it. But it was like, it's something different, some difference between just voicing it and documenting it. Because when your faith is tested and you're going through those things that are tough and you can pull that out and go, wow, let's look back at January. Wow, look what God did there. Wow, wow, look at February. Man, I was really wondering how that outreach is going to go. Man, it just got blown out of the water. Wow, wow, look at, wow, look at how this church, is, our, our family has grown as, as a church. These people came in and now, we're growing. Wow, like, let's look over to March, April. Wow, look, look what God did. Wow, look at the middle of summertime. Look how many. Look what happened to the kids at camp. Wow, look, they graduated now. Look at what they're doing for God. Wow, and I hope you get to do those same things in your life where you go wow, look what God has done. Look what our church has been through. Look at the people that are now back sitting in our sanctuary that have been through things this year and going, we are so thankful that they are sitting here today. So, count it all joy when you face temptations. Trusting that your faith is going to produce steadfastness. Trials, therefore, become the means by which we become perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, does that mean that God's going to give you every wish, dream, and desire? Probably not. He might. If you're faithful to everything he gives you, he's going to give you a lot more. But you're lacking in nothing becomes a mindset. My kids would love to have all kinds of new stuff. Always. There's always something that we always want. And I, I, we had that th- I'm pretty sure we had that same conversation probably f- at least three times this week. Is that a want or is that a need? <laughs> all right do you need food? Yes. Do you need water? Yes. Do you need clothing? Some. (laughs) Yes. You need clothing. You don't need that clothing. (laughs) So, Felicity wants high heels for Christmas. We're like, really? Do you need high heels or do you want high heels? Because you really don't need high heels. You have a hard time walking already. All right. So (laughs) you really don't need high heels. Okay. So Anyway, so we're lacking in nothing that we need as we interpret that scripture. Just make sure you put put that in perspective. So God desires for us to grow through every situation closer to Him or to learn to depend on Him more. In Mark 12, verse 30, Jesus, in bright red letters, recalls the greatest commandment. It says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength." I got that out of order. I apologize. Loving God with all your heart means he is the source and object of your greatest desires and passions. I was looking back this week or to last night and I was finishing up and going, wow, evaluate myself. Look at what I've spent money on on Black Friday or digital Monday or whatever those things are. And like, where does it say my desires are? What have I done this week? How much time have I spent my devotion life? How much time have I spent in prayer? How much time have I spent studying? How much time have I spent in God's Word? And go, okay, God, where is my heart's desires? Because when I look back at that time, I schedule and go, I see where my heart is. I see where my desire is. Was I doing it with the wrong things? Probably not. I was probably holding a baby and feeding her half the time because she's about, been fed about every hour of, the, of her waking day this past week. Was that wrong? Absolutely not. But there's also times that as you as a Christian have to be fed to be used for God, by God. Hey, I'll be the first one to tell you. In ministry, it's one of your hardest things to have those, those times of being able to study, to have those times of being fed. Our, our pastor is great about it. He is one of the greatest pastors I have ever met, especially in this circumstance, that he makes sure that we have a Sunday off or a time off where we get to go and serve God. Not to serve God, I'm sorry, get to be fed by God. Because he didn't get that. He didn't get that opportunity. As a senior pastor, what is he doing? He's teaching Bible study on Wednesday nights. He's teaching Sunday morning church. So his time during Sunday morning church is spent doing what? Preaching, giving out of everything he has. So he has to be intentional all week long. People go, hey, what does a pastor do the other five days or six days a week? You know, what, what does he do? He's trying to get fed so he can give out to us because that's hard. He had to be super intentional about feeding yourself as a minister because you go, hey, those times that you normally are being fed, You're feeding out. You're giving into others. So I want to encourage you. If you're dried up, you can't give out. Be fed. Be in church. If you can't, if uh, something you're missing because of work, listen online. Find other ways to listen. I love listening to podcasts. I've got a whole list that every morning I listen to between parenting and marriage and being a good leader and just having those things go, what are the things that I need in my life? Because I can't be those things without learning from others. Hey, how to do that. Hey, I'll be the first one to tell you, I hate reading. Like, there's a reason I don't have my credentials yet, because I hate reading. And the number one thing you have to do is read. I don't mind reading God's word. I have a hard time doing it too, but guess what? There's this really cool app called the Bible, Version. Thank you, thank you, uh, uh, well, Stephen Verdick, wrong church. Uh, Craig Groeschel, thank you. And Life Church for producing the Bible app. I love being able to listen to God's word on the go because I have a hard time with reading. But it's okay. Don't make excuses. You can listen to it. You can read it. You can study it. Someone can read it to you. Husbands, I promise you your wife would love for you to say, let's do a Bible study together. Let's let's sit down and read the Bible together. That's one of those challenges I got this week again. I get reminded several times, is pray with your wife. How close you can grow together when you sit down as just a couple. We're really great at doing as a family and having that set aside time every every night to do as a family, but just to say, hey, I need my wife and I just to stop and pray together. Kids, get out. It's okay. They wouldn't have got there if you and your wife hadn't had time alone together, okay? It's okay. It's okay to do that. For those of you who are single, stay, spend that time alone that seeking that God will send you the right person. If that's for you, if not, seek that time alone getting alone with God. It's okay to get close to Him, too. Matter of fact, I think you need to make that one first. So, get alone with God first. So, getting alone with God. And looking back at your schedule tells you exactly where you are in your walk. It means that you are completely faithful and devoted to God and that his purposes direct every area of your life when you love God with all your heart. Loving God requires a willingness to do anything for him. Loving God with your soul has to do with your deepest longings, emotions, and convictions, which must be focused on Christ and bring honor to Him. What does your actions show? Who do your actions point to? Does everything you do point back to Christ? Does the way you work and show up for your job point back to Christ? Does your timeliness, this is a hard one for me, timeliness, the time I show up for things, and everybody in the church can look around at me and say, amen, it's okay. I get it. Billy reminds me every week. He's like, hey, you made it on time today. Fantastic. I'm like, no, I'm still 15 minutes late, but thank you for that. Appreciate that encouragement. So it's okay. I know that my struggles And what does that say about me? My walk. What do I need to do? It tells me what I need to focus on. The soul could be described as the core of who you are. The real you. Meaning your identity is completely one with Christ. Loving God with your soul. Your deepest longings. Loving God with all your mind. Shows that serving Him is not just a matter of feelings or emotion. It is a deliberate act of your will. When you choose to go, God, I'm going to put everything else aside for this moment and spend just time with you. It's hard. I'm very ADHD. I'm very attention deficit, hyperactive. I have a very hard time sitting still. It's Probably standing up preaching is the best thing I can do on Sunday morning. Otherwise, I drive my wife crazy with my needless tapping, sitting in the pew, and, and the whole, whole pew to shaking. It's okay. If you're out there with me, say amen. Alright, thank you. I'm not the only one. Appreciate it. So, it's very, I have a very hard time sitting still, but When I stop and I devote and say, God, anoint this time that I'm going to have with you. Push every other thought out of my mind and help me to focus in this moment on you. It says a lot about your control of your mind. It is a deliberate act of your will. It means serving God with your intellect and seeking to please him with thoughts, ideas, and decisions based on his word, the Bible. Loving God with your mind requires doing what you know is right beyond how you feel or what rejection you might face from the world. You know what? Looking back and going, you know what? I know I, I may take rejection from this. This may not go as well as I, as I had hoped and I may have someone come back against me but I'm going to do this anyway. Shows your heart for God. Loving God with all your strength means your best energies and efforts go into serving God and promoting His purposes. It also means that you're willing to persevere in your faith when circumstances are challenged or even physically exhausting. We stand on that scripture every time and go, we're at youth camp. We're going to make it through this. Thank you, Jesus. I can take two more hours of these kids before you let me get, lie down to sleep. Thank you, Jesus. In this three hours of sleep I'm going to get, Lord, you're going to give me a perfect night's rest. And we're going to keep on going. So at times, loving God may involve tough choices and willingness to share the pain of obedience as he did. Our love as Jesus did is to be expressed in action. Being called a Christian is an honor. It's being called a little Christ. When you're with Jesus... You get to be called a Christian, and it means you're a little Christ. You're a representative of him. What an honor. When we love God, our heart lines up with his. Let me tell you why our pastor cries out, jumps and shouts in the pulpit. He has a spirit-empowered, heavenly desires to see all generations know Jesus. All generations. I love it when our pastor comes out and speaks into our kids' lives. The relationship that he has, I, I, the other day, we were Wednesday night after church, Felicity's like, Pastor Tony, I have a card for you. And she loves it because she has an established relationship with our pastor. I love it. And some of it's because I'm on staff. I get it. But he knows our kids' names. He knows the generations. I love the fact that I know our church may not always be this small, but our, our church is small enough that he gets to have that relationship with our kids. I love that. He's not just a pastor to the adults. He's a pastor to teenagers and pastor to our kids. But he desires for all generations to know Jesus, not just know of Jesus, but to biblically know Jesus. We know what it means when Adam says Adam knew Eve; he knew her intimately. Okay, I'm not. I mean, there may be young ears in here, so I'm not going to go into that detail. Okay, adults, we know what intimately mean known is. But that's where our pastor desires us to be with Jesus—to know every aspect of Jesus, to know His heart, to know His mindset. That when we walk into a situation. There's no doubt in our mind as to what we should do because our heart minds up in G- after Jesus. Charlotte had a shirt this week. I was like, where did you buy that? We don't have a Christian bookstore anymore. She had a WWJD shirt on. And I was like, I'm so excited. There's actually a store that sells those shirts. If you want to know where? Ask her. But I was like so excited. I was like, that's awesome because it came a fad many years ago with the WWJD bracelets and then we just don't see them for 10 years, right? But to have that heart of Christ to go, in this situation, I don't have to question. I know what Jesus would do in this mindset is to intimately know Jesus. Judges 2, verse 6, talks about Joshua. And just is talking about when Joshua was very old, and he had led the people in the promised land. Judges chapter 2, verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went to each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. It's a great time, right? They finally made it through. They made it through the desert. They made it through all the hard times and finally made it to the promised land. says so they went in and they took possession of their land. They finally got their inheritance. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Was Joshua's days numbered? Yeah. Joshua's not living anymore, right? Okay, to make sure we all know that Joshua's not alive anymore, guys, okay? We'll read that here in a second. He says, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the ripe age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers." and pay attention to this. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord. Or the work that he had done for Israel. I know you go, Pastor JP, that just took a really dark turn. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Jenny and I go to conferences and it's almost sad sometimes because a lot of times in ministry people look at children's pastorship and youth pastorship and associate pastorship as stepping stones to be a senior pastor. I am perfectly happy, just so you guys know, if anybody ever tells you differently, being a youth pastor. God has not laid on my heart to go anywhere else and I have a feeling if ever God ever lays on my heart or replaces me, it will be coming out of ministry, not going up to any other position. Just because I have such a heart for youth. I love youth so much. Not to say that it'll ever happen. God, I never never planned to be a youth pastor and God put me in this position. But I just, that's my joy. I love doing that. But what's crazy to me is to see that we're one in our district, which is stretching from Tallahassee to, uh, yeah, Swan River, thank you, like the, West, the West Coast of Florida. We're probably the almost the oldest in youth ministry minus two people in children's ministry. Yes, it's sad because there's so much experience that gets lost in that. And I hate it. It drives me crazy. Not to say that the younger generation that's coming straight out of high school into ministry school into the ministry doesn't have that experience, but when we have the elders of the church that don't get to share that, have the opportunity to share that with the younger generation, there's much wisdom that is lost. You may look at me and go, Wow, you're very young to be saying that. Yes, it's okay. I'm 35 years old. I have four kids. I have some experience to share now. Okay. I can say that without, without humbly still. Okay. And I've raised many a teenager in the last 10 years. <laughs> many of them I get to see in here today and they get the opportunity to serve alongside them now. I get, that's an excitement for me. So I say that saying this. I want the generations before me and the generations after me to share their knowledge and wisdom with the next generation as God empowers them. I don't want you just to tell the next generation how to balance their checkbook because the chances are they're never going to use checks ever again. unless they write them in church, but now they have tithely, so they don't need to write checks anymore. But I want you to share your wisdom. I don't want Judges chapter 2 to happen again to this generation. Dads, I have a a statistic for you. Let me set the stage. 90% of kids who have a spiritually active dad in the home will stay in church after school. Let me read that again. 90% of kids who have a spiritually active dad in the home will stay in church after school. Take that definition as you may. Because that means having Christ living in your life, acting it out in front of your kids, and being in church. Okay, I'm going to say that. They will follow your example, dads. That's a huge number. Because if you read the number of statistics nowadays of how many kids stay in church after being in church, it's small microscopic. But what's the difference? Having a dad in the home that believes in Jesus and lives it out for him. I'm not saying that students fresh out of ministry school, 18, 19, 20 years old, can't do the calling. Absolutely they can. I see them following the call of Christ in their life all the time. And you know what? I believe that you can come straight out of a life of sin, be anointed by the Holy Spirit, and go straight to being the biggest evangelist for the call of Christ because God is empowered for that but there is a knowledge of what God has done in the past that needs to be shared with the next generation. They need to know that God isn't just a God of this. He's still alive and moving today. This still applies to our lives today. He still moves, he still guides, he still directs, and he's still operating today. There's life experience that you have, the next generation needs to share and apply to God's word. They need to hear God's word is alive and relevant in your life and in their life today. And I'll take it a step further. If we've had the experiences but haven't learned from them and had our faith strengthened and grown, shame on us. Our stance as elders in the faith shouldn't be this anymore. It shouldn't even be this. It should be this. We should be ready to take on the gates of hell. Some of you should be walking on water by now. (laughs) Some of you have been through so much, you should be walking on water by now. God has allowed you and I to go through faith, growing, and learning opportunities. Many of you should be walking on that water. Now as you've gone through so many faith trials and seeing God move so many times in your life. Why do we go through those things? Why does God allow us to to grow through those things? So we can do just that. We can grow in our faith and be ready to take on the gates of hell. Today, I want to challenge you. The hour's still young. It's okay. Don't tell our pastor I stopped before noon. Because I didn't. There's still altars down here, and I'm getting ready to issue an altar call. So, praise be to you guys and come up and start playing. I want to challenge you with this. Because I can tell you one of the things as having a a wife that's a children's pastor and being a youth pastor, one of the biggest struggles is having people that I can call on to go, hey, I know you're spiritually ready enough in your own life to come minister to my kids. Please come join me alongside me in ministry. That's hard to say. And I was was talking to our youth pastors in our section uh, about two weeks ago. And he's like, yeah, I had 17 youth leaders out there. I was like, bro, how did you pull that off? And he goes, if you join our church, you got to be in leadership. I'm like, never mind. I don't want your philosophy. <laughs> like, I want spiritually mature Christians to come alongside me in ministry to share their life with our students. I know not every kid that comes out of our youth ministry is going to go into ministry. And you know what? I don't want them to because I've seen so many of my friends that I was in youth ministry youth with They came into ministry and flunked miserably, miserably, not even in the church anymore. Went from being in the church as going into ministry to coming out and not even attending church anymore. I don't want that because I don't want a generation that's going to follow that back out of the church doors. If I, I, it's going to sound terrible for me to say this, but if I can discourage a student from going into ministry, I will. And I'm also going to tell them to go get a, get a job. And don't use ministry as a lazy calling. Because it's real easy to go, hey, I'm just going to you know, read my Bible and get ready and preach a message on Sunday and Wednesday nights. I can do that. No. Don't be lazy. There's a lot more to than that. Like Terry just said. There's a lot more that goes into that. that if they want to come alongside me and learn, absolutely, start stacking chairs. Because <laughs> it, it, there's a lot to be done. As you can see, there's a lot of chairs in here. When we do ministry, Mr. Daniel would love to have some extra hands we're stacking chairs and learn how to do it correctly. <laughs> when we stack and they stack, unstack back correctly again. But this generation needs to know that ministry goes outside of the, the doors of this church. Outside of these four walls. It extends out into the four walls of our Sunday school rooms. It extends out into portables out back. It extends out beyond Sunday school to what Brother Glenn does where, hey, you know what? I know there's more people that need to be ministered to that can't come on Sunday morning, so I'm going to extend that Sunday class back out to Wednesday nights. It goes into you being small group leaders and saying, you know what? I know there's people that need to cook. They may not be able to afford to eat all the time. So I'm going to teach them how to cook so they can afford to have the feed their families better at home and, and be able to afford to have more meals at home because they don't have to eat all the time. It's a need there. Trust me, we have a hard time e- 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 cooking meals and we can cook in our house because we're constantly going and going. There's needs, but it takes us being willing to step out. First of all, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? He loves you. He wants to be your Lord and he wants to be your everything. If you're in this room today and say, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. First of all, I want you to know this church is for you. The people of this church love you no matter where you've been, what you're going through right now, what you're going to go through in the future. We want to come alongside you. We want to love on you. We want to be here for you. There's no person too dirty, too nasty, too filthy, or been through too much to be loved by Jesus. If you think so, I got people that'll talk to you and tell you what they came through. Some people have some testimonies of two and three saints, okay? If not, I got a book for you to read that our church put out. And they can tell you some testimonies. And then you'll see them sit next to you in church and go, wow, they've really been through some stuff. Secondly, do you recognize God's impact in your life? Have your eyes been opened to see that He is at work in your life? God's still making an impact in your life today whether you recognize it or not. If you're here today, it's because God wanted you here. Whether you realize it or not, God had a reason for you to be here today. If you're still sucking oxygen, God's got a purpose for you and it's not done yet. Otherwise, He wouldn't waste His air. He'd share it with some others. He's not done with you yet. Thirdly, have you released control of your life to him so that he may fill you with his spirit and make you powerful to share his love with your generation and the generations to come? Maybe in the generations behind you. Bow your heads and close your eyes, please. Join me. God, I thank you this day for your people. I thank you for the obedience of your people that came to this church today not to be preached at or preached to, but because they love you and they're called according to your purpose. God, I thank you for the opportunity in my own life to serve you. God, I pray right now, first, let there be a soul in this room that has not had the opportunity to come to know you, as Lord and Savior of their life to meet you not as the God that punishes us but the God that loves us and is standing with arms open wide ready to accept us just as we are. May they know your love today if that's you and you have not had the opportunity to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you're not walking for Him right now I want to encourage you to step out come right up front sounds weird okay? every head at, is bowed every eye is closed right now majority of people in this room have done just that very thing they've stepped out and made that commitment to God it says I want to serve you I want to know you as Lord and Savior, that God I can be used by you. I want to encourage you right now. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you have not had the opportunity to serve Him, please come forward. Let us pray with you. Let us introduce you to the most loving person you will ever meet. He walked on this earth and gave His life and was tortured for you and rose again, that you may be cleansed of your sin, of your guilt out of your shame. And we want to give the opportunity to meet him and introduce you to him. What a privilege we could have in that. Please come. Secondly, as I said, if you have not released your life to Jesus, you say, I'm a saint, I'm, I'm a believer in God. I just don't know where my testimony is. I don't know what to share. We want to pray for you right now. That God would develop that testimony in you and he would fill you with his Holy Spirit that his Holy Spirit can speak life into you and fill you up so much that you won't be able to stop talking about what God's done in your life because God will point out how much he just loves you and he is operating in you and he's opening doors for you and he is just working in you. We want to pray for you that you can receive the Holy Spirit and he can empower you to do what he's called you to do. Because He didn't call you to just exist. And in that same question, if you're saying, I just, I have a hard time ministering to others. I don't know my place. I don't know how I'm going to serve. Or I just, I just don't have that. I'm not outgoing. I, I don't know that I can do that. I'm not saying God is going to make you an outgoing person but I am going to say that he's going to open up doors for you that you can share. And he's going to give you the boldness through his Holy Spirit to fill you up to overflowing. That you won't be able to help but tell others that ask you that he has moved in you. His altars are open. And God wants to use you. He wants to use this church. And until we accept that, and open our hearts to that, it can't happen, because revival starts in us. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.